The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Well, hello, everyone. It's Pastor Doug Bursch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. On today's show, I wanted to get a little philosophical, get you into my head a little bit, the things I've been thinking about. Uh, One of the struggles I've had in life is I constantly meet people who want me to not be multiplicitous. They don't want me to have many thoughts and many conflicting thoughts. They want me to choose one path, one course, one thing to focus on. They say that's what health is, focusing on one thing. On today's show, I'm going to talk about how I don't think that's really a good idea. I think we're called to be conflicted on today's show. Thanks for joining me, and I have to admit right off the top here that today's show is going to be conflicted, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to articulate everything well. In fact, I was going to write something on this, and instead of writing it, I want to talk it out with you on today's show. So this is about as fresh as you're going to get it. I was talking with my wife about this last night, and I thought, hey, you know, I'm just going to share it on the show. Um, You can text me. Uh, The number is 360-818-4513. 360-818-4513. Please subscribe to the podcast, uh, The Fairly Spiritual Show. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud. That would be so awesome if you did that. And promote us as well, The Fairly Spiritual Show. You can also go to fairlyspiritual.org and support us, especially the radio program, to keep us on the air. Uh, so I want to talk about the concept of duplicity. And I knew duplicity is a negative word. I was looking up uh, different words and their meanings in the context of being conflicted. And duplicity, I think, is a fascinating word. I was looking at duplicity and multiplicity and how duplicity has a negative connotation and multiplicity does not. Uh, But duplicity, if you look at it, uh, basically the roots of it is just a doubling. It means uh, a doubling. But the doubling in our context is negative. And and let me just read to you, uh, I think this is from Webster's, the definition of duplicity. The idea of doubleness is at the core of duplicity. Duplicity comes from a Latin word meaning double or twofold, and its original meaning in English has to do with a kind of deception in which you intentionally hide your true feelings or intentions behind false words or actions. If you are being duplicitous, there are two yous, the one you're showing and the one you're hiding. And key to the eye of duplicity, you're hiding that you in order to make people believe something that's not true. I just thought that was really fascinating. Duplicity is the context of that. There's a real you inside, but you're hiding that real you. And outwardly, you're expressing another you. Now, we understand how we use the word duplicity. Duplicity is where someone outwardly says, hey, I like you, but inwardly they don't like you. Outwardly they say, you can trust me. Inwardly, you can't trust them. So that's how we use the word duplicity. But I was thinking about that word in the context of personality. Duplicity as a doubling. The idea is that someone doubles their personality, that there's two personalities. There's what's going on on the inside And then there's what's going on on the outside. 
and they take a part of their personality, or, or there's just two parts of their personality. There's their interior life, and there's their exterior life, and their exterior life includes parts of their personality. But for a second, I'd like you just to follow with me on this. And again, I told you today's show is going to be pretty philosophical, but these are just some of the thoughts I was thinking about, that uh, we do this. All of us do this. Let's just not talk about the negative parts. It's clearly wrong to be duplicitous in our English definition of duplicity. It's clearly wrong to deceive people, to lie to people, to say false things to people. That's wrong. But the concept of having two selves is very natural. It's very much being human, to have an interior life and an exterior life. That there's something that goes on inside us, and there's something that goes on in the exterior world, and that we double ourselves, in that there's two parts of our personality, and there's a part that we present to the world, and there's a part that we keep to ourselves. And I don't think that that reality is always negative. I don't think that we're doing that because we want to be untrue people in the world. In fact, I think we do that for a lot of good reasons. I, I, I'm going to get into this a little bit more, but first we're, we're, we're going to go all over the page here, and, and some are just going to be, uh, I don't even want to deal with this, but others I, I, think, I think you're going to connect with this a little bit, and maybe we can learn something as we talk this through, and I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Uh, 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 you know, Just process this out with me that maybe we could learn something through this. But first, I want to start with a story. Just the concept of being conflicted as a person, having conflicting thoughts, having a conflicting personality, having, seeing things where you, where you desire one thing, but you desire another thing, having the ability where you feel one way inwardly, but also there's other things you express outwardly. These conflicting realities in our humanness. Uh, that this reality isn't always wrong. It's just what it means to be human, and it's what it means to be human in community. I want to tell this story first, though. Uh, recently, I was um, talking with a friend of mine, and I was talking about different steps I'm taking in my life. I'm, I'm about to get my doctorate in ministry, and uh, I'm trying to figure out next steps. I'm trying to find a way to be able to teach. I'd like to be able to teach some classes and, uh, you know... Uh, take my doctorate to be able to be a professor somewhere. And I just, there's all these different things I'd like to do, but I'm trying to figure out how the doors will open. I also do evangelistic work. So I like to guest speak at churches. I enjoy writing. I, I would like to be able to do radio in a larger format, but those doors kind of close down as well. There's, there's many things in, in pastoring the church that I pastor. There's more things that I want to be able to do there as well. And I was talking to him about all the different things that are on my heart. And he was trying to help me, and, and truly a friend that loves me. There's, there's nothing negative in what he was doing. And in trying to help me, he gave me a definition of calling. And, and basically, at some level, his definition of calling was a very, in my opinion, a very linear, sequential definition of calling. That every human being has a calling where we have a passion of something we're called to do for a specific group of people, that every human being is called to a specific group of people with a specific thing they're called to do. And as he began, and I, I knew where he was going with this because I've been in these situations before where he was going to try to help me, like, here I have all these different things that I want to do and all these different people I want to talk to and all these different directions I want to go to. 
he wanted to help me focus. I, I could just see that, you know, no, nothing negative in this. The the multiplicity of my life, the 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 even and from his perspective, the fracturedness of it, a a personality that's going in a hundred directions. You know, if if you know anything about me, I I have a book next to my bed where I just write out jokes just for comedy routine. Just I like doing that. I, I'd write to, I'd like to write a book of fiction that has nothing to do with ministry. I I there's a hundred different directions that my mind goes in. And I could see him like, okay, but Doug, you have a central calling, so what is that central calling? And as he began to say, you know, what is the main thing you're called to do? And as he asked me that question, and as I knew where this was going to go, I almost felt like crying. And I wouldn't have been able to articulate because I, I found myself in this position so many times in my life. I can remember this as a little kid. I can remember this in college. I remember this when I was a church planter and sitting in this church planting boot camp, they called it, and they were saying, okay, Doug, you have all these dreams and visions, but who, what group are you specifically called to reach and what, you, what are you specifically called to do well? And I remember saying, I can't answer that. Because there's all these people I feel called to. I, there's all these different people I want to reach. There's all these different things I want to do. I cannot narrow it down to one group. I remember meeting with a, a, a good friend of mine. Uh, I, I can even say this, the mayor of, uh, former mayor of Auburn, and meeting with him and, and him. I'm telling him all the different things I'm wanting to do. And I remember him saying, you know, it sounds like you haven't figured out who you are yet. You know, you got to figure out what you want to do. You got, you're going to be a professor. You're going to be a pastor. You're going to be this. You're going to be, and I could see with him. And, and often when you talk, you're talking with people who are pretty linear and that's just what they are. They're people who just did one thing and that's what they did. And they did the next thing and that's what they did. And they focused their energy on that. And there's a personality type like that. And it's not wrong that this is how they process the world. But I knew here I am again with someone who cares about me and here they come to me and they're telling me, you got to focus it into this one issue. You got to make it about the one thing. If you're going to move ahead, you got to pick the one thing. And I immediately begin to want to cry. Because the reality is, I feel to the core of myself. And right now, as I'm saying this, here's the reality some people are listening and they're rejecting this, and others are accepting it. And I believe it's based on their personalities and based on their psychology. But at the core of who I am, I'm multitudes. And I know that's really weird to people to say that. But that's who I am. I am pastor, but I'm evangelist. I'm radio host and podcaster. I'm comedian. I'm writer. I'm called to stubborn far-right Christians. I'm called to pagans who know nothing of God. We're going to talk more about this when we come back. Okay, today's show is a little different. It's going to stay different. We're going to get even more weird. If you'd like to keep this show on the air on the radio version, this is not going on the radio. This is our Wednesday podcast. If you want to keep the radio show on, then go to fairlyspiritual.org and donate. Fairlyspiritual.org. Donate today. Also text me at 360-818-4513. That's 360818 4513. And please subscribe through iTunes or SoundCloud to listen to the show and share it with others. Love it if you'd pick up my book as well, The Community of God, 
a theology of the church from a reluctant pastor. I love it when people read and interact with what I've written. Thank you for all your support. Okay, I mentioned something here, and for some they might not understand that concept, but I, I want it to be a little shocking that there's a multiplicity in me. There's a multitudinous of directions in me, and I don't think it's because I'm broken. In our Western culture, in our modern era, we move towards making human personality into a science. And although we talk a lot about being in a postmodern world, we still moved human personality into a science. And we made everything linear, and we made everything into a, we break things into their parts, and we figure out what's wrong with things by we breaking them into their parts, and we solve things by giving you steps in order to find a solution. And we've done that with human personality as well. And so to be a healthy human, you have to find out who you are and what you believe in and what you're called to do, and you go do that. And so wholeness is often defined in those terms. Wholeness is having a very singular focus, a singular direction, and a singular way of viewing the world. But I don't know if that's what it means to be whole as a human. Because when I look at humans, I think humans are incredibly diverse. And I think some humans are very concrete and sequential. And I think some humans are very abstract and random. And I think some humans do not have much processing within them, that their interior life is very much like their exterior life, and their exterior life is very much like their interior life. And there's other humans where their interior life is a completely different world than their exterior life. And it's not because they're duplicitous, it's not because they're liars. It's not because they're bad people. It's just because they're multitudinous. It's just because they live in that world. There's, this, there's some sort of emotional or intellectual divide between that interior world and that exterior world. There's a doubling of their personality. There's things that they deal with on the inside and things that they deal with on the outside. And it's a not, not a sign that they're doing it wrong. There's just conflict. There's just struggle. And in fact, their learning and their understanding of the world comes from that conflict, that wrestling of their personality. In some ways, you know, we know this, right? Because the world is full of scientists, but the world is also full of poets. The world is full of people who see things in very concrete, sequential ways but there's also artists and musicians, and all are welcomed at the table of God. So I talked about earlier about this concept of duplicity, and of course, we know that duplicity in the sense of to harm people or to hurt people is wrong, but I just want to read this again. Webster's talks about it. The, duplicity is the idea of doubleness. At the core of duplicity, it says, duplicity comes from the Latin word of double or twofold, the original meaning in the English has to do with a kind of deception in which you intentionally hide your true feelings or intentions behind false words or actions. If you're being duplicitous, there are two yous, the one you're showing and the one you're hiding. And I was thinking about this, that when you live in a scientific world, when you live in a world that says, in order to be healthy, you have to see it one way, you have to do it one way, you can't have conflicting thoughts, you can't have conflicting perspectives, you begin to hide a part of yourself. You begin to hide the part that's not accepted by the world. And that's a form of duplicity 
that protects yourself. I've noticed that for me, I can be pretty honest. I can, I can say something like, uh, well, I can do these two things. I believe that God heals. And also, I continually lack faith that God will heal. And some people get upset when I'd say something like that. You can't say that. You, you know, if you say you lack faith that God will heal, then God won't heal. And I think, well, that's just foolishness. God knows my prayers before I even pray. He's not like behind the curtain waiting for me to organize my thoughts, right? So I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to say, boy, I'm really struggling and, and I don't know if God will heal, but I believe God does heal, so we're going to pray. So I will share those thoughts, and those, shots, those thoughts to some people seem like they're contradictory, but I will share them. I will share those thoughts that our, our church right now is in a position where we're losing our building, and I don't know where we're going to go next. I don't know what's going to happen next. We're literally going to be kicked out of our building by the end of this year. And I can share these thoughts. I can believe You know, God speaks and God moves and God is going to provide a place for us. And also, I don't know what's going to happen and I'm incredibly scared. And part of me is just questioning, God, are you going to speak and move? And is this the end of our church? And on the other hand, I'm like, it's not the end of our church. God's going to provide. We're going to move ahead by faith. It's going to be okay. Now, that's in me. That's in the core of who I am. Now, even by sharing that right now, some people are saying, don't share that, Doug. You can't. You can't share that. And at some level in my life, there's some places where I can't share things. I have to be duplicitous. I have to keep the interior life from the exterior life, not because I have a problem with it, but because other people have a problem with it. To me, faith is dealing with the fact that that things can seem impossible, but we move ahead by faith. Faith is dealing with the fact, not just of the doubts of others, but my own doubts. And I move ahead by faith. Faith is sharing conflicting thoughts or conflicting ideas. Faith is wrestling with the mysteries of God, the mysteries within me. Faith can be having a desire in this direction and a desire in that direction and wrestling with those desires and then moving ahead. Faith can be admitting this, that, that like as a pastor, uh, every year there are countless times where I want to quit and not be a pastor. And then I, I, call, I go to God and I'm like, no, I'm supposed to be a pastor. And I don't have to be ashamed of admitting to that. To me, that's faith. And, and others, that's duplicity. And, and I want to go with duplicity even greater that people often say this is like, okay, you got to find out who you are inside, and then you have to align who you are inside with who you are outside. Well, well, I don't think that's true either. Because one, it's assuming that who we are inside is the true self, and who we are outside is the false self, and that's not true. Who we are inside is actually kind of isolated. It's just us and God, and who we are outside is who we are in community. And the reality is, who we communicate outward, when we communicate outwardly, that's different because when we're communicating outwardly, it's with different people. So if I'm communicating outwardly, like for instance with you guys, I'm not sharing everything with you. It's not because I'm being duplicitous. It's because you know we have a certain relationship. You, I'm not going to share every thought with you. Or with my kids, I'm not going to share every thought. I'm not going to share thoughts that would make my kids scared or afraid. 
It's not duplicitous to keep some thoughts close. But it's not my true self. My interior life is no more my true self than my exterior life is my true self. The interactions you and I have on the radio or on the podcast or the interactions I have with my church or the interactions I have with my wife and my kids and my neighbor, those inform my interior life as well. And so that interaction goes back and forth. But the reality is there is a separation between what I will share from within and what I will share on the outside. Sometimes people say, you just need to align those things. What you believe on the inside, you need to share on the outside. Well, that's not true because we've all been in environments where you're watching you know, something. I've, I've watched, I remember going to many uh, events that I didn't want to go to that my kids were performing at. And if I had shared what was on the inside, I would have stood up and said, this is boring me. You need to shut this baseball game down. This is a waste of time. Why are we even here? But I didn't do that because the interior life should not motivate me at that time. The exterior life should motivate me. The community, the people I love, the kids who were playing that game that I was that was boring me out of my mind, and the fact that we were playing t-ball and kicking the dust, and it was the people around me that had just as much as important as this interior life. But we live in a culture that says a healthy person has to have these things all aligned together. No, they don't. No, they don't. A healthy person can look around at the room and say, No, it is right for me to hold my tongue. It is right that although inwardly I'm in pain, inwardly I'm bored out of my mind, inwardly I don't want to be here, inwardly I'm anxious, inwardly I'm depressed, whatever's going on inwardly, outwardly is also my true self. And outwardly, it would serve this room for me to be quiet. It would serve this room for me to stay here and to bless people and to keep working or keep loving or keep playing or whatever is needed for that room. But when we have this false notion that to be healthy is it all has to be aligned, then people feel like they are duplicitous, or they feel like they are phonies, or they feel like they are hypocrites, because if I was a good person, I'd feel good on the inside, and I'd be happy that I'm here. Well, guess what? You're not going to feel happy if you're there, if your inward self is like, no, I'm, I'm an introvert, I don't want to be here. Your inward self will always feel like an introvert, but your outward self knows you need to be in the room because you love the people in the room. And so you can just be a conflicted person. And to be a healthy person is to be a conflicted person. Instead of saying those things have to be different, you can just be that. You can just be a healthy, conflicted person. You can be in the room and inwardly feel like you don't want to be there, but outwardly express a love for people knowing that's okay. Because your true self is just as much as your outward expression with others as your inward desire to run away. Now, as I'm processing these things, I know for some it might not make much sense, but for me this makes a lot of sense that we live in a world that has so much made everything that, you know, to be a healthy person, a whole person, everything has to align itself perfectly, and I don't believe that's true. I think we are multitudinous. I think we have all kinds of conflicting thoughts, and a healthy environment should allow us to be that way. Healthy environments should allow both. It's not one or the other, because the danger of this is we'll say, well, my true self is just I'm an introvert, and that's why I don't hang out with people. No, that's not good enough. That's part of yourself. Part of yourself inwardly is an introvert. But you're also with other people, and so you're going to have to deal with that exterior self and live a conflicted life. And the conflicted life is your wife needs you to go out and be with people, so go out and be with people. And your kids need you to play with them, so play with them. And so you let that exterior world inform your interior world and your interior world to inform your exterior world. 
and you live conflicted. But so often we come to people and we say, you have to be one thing. You have to align yourself in one way. And this is true with calling as well. You'll say, I I just want to do one thing. I only like doing this thing. I don't like doing those other things. But the reality is there's a conflicted reality to ministry. There's a conflicted reality to work where you don't do everything you want to do. You do the things you don't necessarily want to do, but you do them by faith. There's a conflicted reality where you can do one thing, but also want to do another. And it's not a sign you're doing it wrong. It's just a sign that God made you wonderfully complex. And you may always feel that way. So often we're trying to make people integrate their lives. We're telling them that their true self is their interior life and their false self is their exterior life. But that's just saying that the interior isolated self is the true self, but the outward community self is the false self. And I don't believe that. Our exterior community self is a part of who we are, and our interior isolated self is a part of who we are as well. And Christ is with us in our interior self, and Christ is with us in our exterior self. And I believe Christ is with us in our desires as well. So if you have conflicting desires, I don't think God is like, well, every desire that doesn't go with your main purpose, your main calling, that's not my desire. I think God is far more multitudinous than that. I think God is far more complex than that. Maybe God's complicated too. So maybe these conflicting desires are because God is so amazing, he can't fit just in one box. I believe there's a woman listening right now where you are primarily a stay-at-home mother. And it's not wrong that you're conflicted, that at one level you feel called to be a stay-at-home mom, but also you feel called to more. It's not wrong that you feel conflicted. It's not wrong that you also want to work in another environment. It's not that you're not doing the right thing. It's not that you haven't embraced your calling. It's that both of those desires are within you. And so it's okay to try to find a way to do both. It's okay. Some of you are working at a job where you have to do what you got to do to make the money, but there's other things you want to do. Every artist knows this. There's artists who do what they have to do to survive, and then they do the art that they love, and they're conflicted, and they do whatever's necessary in order to do what they love. They also do what they need to do to survive. They can be conflicted. This concept that we're going to find our true self where everything aligns itself and we're all moving in the right direction, I think it's very fanciful. I don't don't even know if it's healthy. I think we need to embrace far much more or more what the world calls duplicity. I would call just humanity. That there's a doubling of ourselves. Not a false thing where I'm trying to hide myself, but the reality is... There's going to be different aspects of myself. There's going to be a way I see the world inwardly. There's going to be a way I express the world outwardly. There's going to be some things I want to do over here, but there's going to be some things I want to do over here. And I might be moving in a bunch of different directions, not because I'm not focused enough, but because I've been made in the image of God, and God expresses himself in a myriad of ways. 
This brings me to the last points here. And, and I, I even as I'm sharing this show, I'm thinking, man, this is kind of all over the place, but I'm just going to let it stand. And I'm going to hope that something, there's just going to be little nuggets here that you can take with you. I'm just, I'm just going to let it stand. I'm just, this is what we're going to do. I'm not going to go back and edit it out. But when you look at Holy Scripture, a lot of it's poetry, right? And this just sticks with me. You know, we have all these arguments about, you know, the exact, exactness of theology, and I have strong opinions on theology, but it seems pretty crazy that a God who'd want us to be very precise in our theology would write to us through poetry. You know, if you want people to know exactly what to do, you don't usually write a poem. Like if you, if, you know, a syllabus, have you ever had a syllabus that's in the form of a poem? How many of our laws do we write in the form of a poem? If you're leaving for a trip and you want your kids to make sure they do the right things, do you write out your instructions in a poem? If somebody's taking care of your house while you're gone, do you write it out in the form of a poem? But God gave his instructions to us in a poem, which makes me think they're not just instructions, that the Bible is far more than an instruction manual for life. Because if it was an instruction manual for life, you don't write it with a poem. In fact, I don't know many instruction manuals that have one-third of it in poetry. But the Bible is full of poetry. And I think it's full of poetry because of what I'm talking about here. Because there's mystery in God. God is mysterious and humans are mysterious. And we're not these scientific things that you can break apart into, you know, here's the five things about God, and here's the four ways the Holy Spirit moves, and here's the three things about your salvation, and here's the two things you need to do. God is not a list of things. God is not a thing. Salvation is not a thing. The gospel is not a list. Our existence with God is not just doctrinal statements. Poetry allows for mystery to be revealed, and poetry allows for conflicting thoughts to be revealed, or at least thoughts that seem conflicting, yet at some level when you read a poem, they're not conflicting. There's something that ties them together. That's why we talk about emotions with poetry, that there's the emotions rise up from the reality that conflicting thoughts seem to be presented in the same poem or in the same verse. And we see this all the time. We'll see uh, you know, poems that talk about the anger of God and the love of God. And we're like, I, I don't understand this. And the justice of God and the love of God and the, the punishment of God and the love of God. And, and, and as we read through it, you, you can't understand it unless you listen to it in its entirety. And depending upon your relationship with God, you, you, you don't even maybe even interpret that scripture the same way. But it says something deeper. You look at even the prophetic books of the Old Testament, they have this same seeming conflicting reality to them. Or you'll read a prophetic poem even, where it'll talk about you know God's judgment that I'm going to judge you and judge the next generation, the generation after that. And, and you just read this devastating language where it just seems impossible for anything good to ever come again to the people of God. And then at the end, it talks about that God is going to restore 
and he's going to bring his righteousness and his mercy and his grace. And, and as you look at that, you're like, those are conflicting thoughts. You can't keep those together. You can't, that doesn't make sense. He, he just said the opposite of what he just said. You can't do that unless it's a poem. But in the arc of the poem, it makes sense. And it becomes something deeper. I'm just bringing this up today because I just think there's some people listening where you almost are in tears when people try to make you common and normal and simple. And their definitions of wholeness are, don't be so complicated. Don't be so fractured. Just focus on one thing. Just be simpler. And I just believe you have permission to not do that. You have permission to have an interior life that's different than your exterior life. It's okay that when you're in the room, you're trying to be present with people, but inwardly it's going on a little different. And it's not because you're a hypocrite, and it's not because you're trying to hide your true self. It's that What's going on on the inside is you just probably yell at everybody and leave, but you know, that's not right. So, so you're trying to love people, but it's hard. And it's not that you're duplicitous. It's just hard. That's how you were formed. If you're a poet, it's not your job to turn your poetry into science. Keep being a poet. It's not your job to explain it to the linear people. Be a poet. If you're a dancer, dance your dance, and you don't have to interpret it. If you're an artist, your art doesn't have to be so clear that everyone understands its meaning. Just express what's on your heart. Just dance before the Lord. Write before the Lord. Sing before the Lord. Create before the Lord. Express your being before the Lord. This is what I'm trying to do. I know others don't understand. Yes, you know, we pray, Lord, for next spirit-led steps. And there are times when it's like, you know, you got to focus in on this, and that's not as important. I get it. There's focus. But I I just wanted to contend, even now, I don't know. I think a lot of people stop listening sometime through this podcast. I've gone longer. I've rambled more. But I just... I think there's someone listening right now, and you feel like your personality you feel like your personality is a sin. You feel like who you are, people have made you believe that how God created you is a sin. The fact that your mind moves in two directions. The thought that you say one thing, but you can think of the opposite of that thing as you say it, that you can think of an argument against the argument you've given. The fact that there's multiple ways you look at something. The fact that you can hold two conflicting ideas in juxtaposition to each other and you can see their worth and their value. And you've seen that as a deficit or something you need to get rid of and others have ridiculed you for it or they've said because of that you can't be a pastor or you can't be a leader or you can't be a true Christian. And I want to tell you, God loves that in you. God made you, and God delights in that. There's wonder in that. There's beauty in that. God accepts that. 
You're not being duplicitous. You're not being a liar. You're not being a hypocrite. You're just being you. And God loves you immensely. May the Lord bless you and free you to be your authentic self this week. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope someone got something out of it. Uh, If you'd like to text me, if you got something out of it, please do. Here's the number, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. 360-818-4513. You can call as well and leave a message. You can also go to the website, fairlyspiritual.org. That's fairlyspiritual.org. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name and he loves you dearly. I will see you next time. Nothing in this world.